Welcome to What Has My Attention. This is John Beethan. I don't really know how to introduce this episode with Elena Armillo, and I feel like it's best left alone for you to just listen, contemplate, and discover for yourself what makes a great leader. And of course, you can visit the show notes for links mentioned in this episode. Here are some of the topics we covered today. Lisa Pachance. Accomplishment Coaching, 7 Years. Elevating Women to be Heard. What Makes a Strong Leader. Courage in the Moment and Vulnerability. Using Your Own Voice in the World. You can be right or you can be in relationship with them. The forthcoming project built from partnerships. Leaders have targets on their backs. Soft front, hard back, growing leaders. Who do I want to be in the world from choice? And up-leveling her life with the move to L.A. If you want to hear more, visit her podcast, In a Manner of Speaking, with Elena Armijo. And follow her bi-weekly episodes where she starts off with a coaching tip much like what you'll hear in this episode. And you can get to it by going to elenaarmeopodcast.com. I now gratefully bring you Elena Armeo, a woman in strong leadership. Oh gosh, we're already laughing. The show started, but Elena, welcome to the show. Here we are. Hi, thank you so much for having me on today. Yes, again, should we tell people we tried before but had some technical problems and uh, did? Yeah, but we made it this time, and I couldn't be happier about it. Thank you so much for being here. Oh well, thank you for having me. I'm just um so honored with what you're building in the world and what you're creating for women in leadership. So I'm honored to be here with you. No, it's really important to me. I mean, I just can't get around the fact that uh, I want to support uh, women in strong leadership and bring their voices forward, you know. And uh, and in terms of my business and marketing plans, it's really starting to just hone in on that. That's awesome. Yeah. So as you know, episode 20 on What Has My Attention, I interviewed Lisa Pachance, and that was just like really great. And that's where it kind of all started. And in our previous attempt, I did want to mention that you, you know, you spent a lot of time with Lisa, right? I did. I love her. She is um, so much fire and passion as a coach. Uh, We worked together at a Mm -hmm. competent coaching where uh, we both trained and we were leaders there for a period of time. And um She's just really, she's one of those people that uh, I think I'm most inspired by her, her clarity of vision when she, when she speaks to people and she sees, you know, what's in front of her. So um, I really adore her and I adore the work she's doing in the world. Yeah. You're both graduates of accomplishment coaching yep. and uh, we don't have to repeat everything we said before, but uh, I do want to just mention you were, you've been involved with them for seven years, right? I have uh, a leader there, training coaches coming through, uh, well, really humans, anybody who's signing up, because it is a leadership and transformational coaching program. So -hmm. you do end up leaving being a coach, but some people join the program um, just for themselves, for their lives. For the transformation. For the transformation, yeah. Let's talk about the transformation. Okay. Do, Do you have like one major defining moment in that transformation that it was just like, oh my gosh? Oh, so many. Um, That's good. Yeah, I think. Gosh, which ones can I can I talk about without breaching confidentiality? But yeah. it's like um, I think the thing that 
was a defining moment for me was just seeing the transformation throughout the year. So transformation is kind of a buzzword in our industry right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that it tends to get diluted down. Um, so what I, what it means to me is that you've actually made a permanent shift um, with something in your life. So you can actually see that at the end of the program. You look back and you look at all you've created in your year and you're, you can't recognize the person that you were before mm. that. So to me, that, that is one indication of it. And then there are some like really tangible things that happened in my program year, right? Like I, I pivoted an entire career. I uh, left a full-time job that was supporting me and became a full-time coach. I left a relationship that I was in. You know, I'd, I'd been in a pretty big, messy relationship before the program. And then I was kind of just hanging out, having some fun with a guy. And I got really serious really quick about what I wanted, which then welcomed in, you know, my current relationship with Aaron. So it's a very holistic program. And, and we do a lot of work on your entire life, which I think mm. is really important when you're talking about transformation. Do you go back and look at uh, look at stuff that happened in the past month? <laughs> yes. Yeah. We have old notes from my, my coach that I worked with in the very beginning, and I'm amazed by what I've created. And some of it is really, uh, you know, you get a chance to say, like, where do I want my future to be in a year? And we do that every year with a coach. So you can imagine seven years down the road, looking back, I'm shocked at how clear I was and how I created exactly what I said I would. I couldn't have done that alone, but I definitely was able to create a lot of what I thought was impossible at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got nothing but fantastic feedback from other people, other women that have graduated from accomplishment coaching, you know, and yeah. they, they all kind of say the same thing in terms of transformation. But it's just, uh, I think mentioned it before, but it was just like, you know, when you get out of that, it's a year long training, right? Yeah. One full year. One full year, one week a month for a full year, right? Yeah. One weekend a month. Excuse me, weekend, right. Mm -hmm. So that's a great way to do it, isn't it? Because yeah. you ju it just, it just kind of dribbles in sort of, is that, how would you describe, how would you describe it? I don't want to put the words in your mouth. Oh, well, I don't know if it dribbles in. I, I don't know if anything about the program <laughs> is dribbling. <laughs> I would say it's very intense, <laughs> but it's sort of a, it's like you get very intense focus for those two days, one weekend a month. And then the rest of the month, everything simmers or dribbles, I guess, but it never stops. It's daily work. So I think that you get into a routine of change and transformation daily through through that process. But so much changes month to month that it it kind of all blurs together and it feels like one big intense year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. How many people in the class at a time generally? Uh, usually up to 24, 24 seats. 24 seats. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's two dozen. Yeah. That's great. So what's had your attention lately? What's had my attention lately? Um, really, the reopening of the world has had my my attention lately. You know, I, I currently live in Newark, New Jersey, and we're starting to see people in the city say, like, September. September is where, what we're headed for in terms of, um, you know, sort of getting back into being with people on a normal, mm -hmm. regular basis. Um, so what has my attention about that piece in particular is what I notice in all my clients is there's a sense of processing that didn't have time to happen yet. And 
I don't know. I, I, I really think that this last year and a half, everybody was just in survival mode and didn't know it or didn't relate to it that way. And now that, that people are, you know, we know the vaccines are working. We, we've had, we have some light coming in right around the hope for the future. I think people are really having a hard time just processing all of it. Cause now we actually have time. It's summertime. Most people are taking vacations right now or trying to, you know, lean back a little bit before September. And um, a lot of my clients are talking about how all this grief is catching up with them that they didn't really yep. have time to process yet. You know? Yep. I, you know, my sense is there's been possibly quite a few people that have actually, since they couldn't go to their job or whatever, <laughs> there's been a lot of soul searching going on as well. Oh, yeah. The last year in particular, right? Ooh. Yeah. So if you in the last year have maybe played around with a new vision for your life and then the doors open, this is where courage comes into it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and being confronted with actually having to choose now, right? Because before mm. it was like we're simmering in a dream of like, well, what do I really want to do with my life for a year? Um, so a lot of that is just like the dreaming stage of like visioning really and now we're at the point where we're kind of at choice point what are you going to do about it right i feel like i'm at that point i really do i definitely do <laughs> <laughs> with, with all that we're working on together john the launch of the podcast and the launch of the agency coming up and a potential move to california like all of that to me is it, it the universe is definitely saying like okay you created all this and are you willing to choose it and step into it now? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. You just said potential move to California. I thought- Well, that no, it's happening. But see, listen, that's still how I relate to it in this moment, right? I still, my fear is like, are we really doing this? But we are. Yeah, we're yeah, definitely- I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> yeah, but it's still quite scary, you see? For me, it's like um, the, the choice to move to LA is very intentional for, for Aaron and I in terms of leveling up our life into the next thing we're stepping into. Mm. And what I'm present to in regards to courage, like you were, you were just speaking to, you can make the choice and then you have to like be with the impact of the choice after the choice. Right. So we, we got the apartment and we're ready to go, meaning like in our heads, but there's all these things in the way now, right? Like schedules and work and, how do you move an entire home across country? <laughs> and, and so you're kind of thinking a little bit, what, what was I thinking? Yeah. It's that moment where you're like, ah, do we really need to give all this up? Because we're fine. We're comfortable here, but that's the thing. We're comfortable and not that you have to be uncomfortable your whole life to make change happen. But we know that we're not growing if we're stagnant or comfortable at this stage in our life. So the next level is going to require us to do some scary things. Yeah, I think sometimes often comfort is the booby prize. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a part of me at certain levels that I'm just not interested in being comfortable. I mean, yeah. you know, I just wake up every morning pretty darned excited. You mm. know, and this morning thinking about this day and spending time with you, I just couldn't wait to get up. So it was like 3.30 this morning. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. early. No, yeah. and I have a friend of mine, uh, friend of mine that's actually in the military, and and she says, "Oh, we're up at three thirty every day." You know, wow. I, I don't 
really want to make it a habit because by this time I'm a little toast. I was a little concerned about doing this episode with you at 2.14 Pacific time after being up for almost 11 hours, you know, anyway. But <laughs> I would be I, too. I, I took a break and I thought to myself, what would Elena say? Uh-huh. And Elena would say, just do it. Yeah, or just do it and then be kind to yourself after. Like, really shut off. Go take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, when we're done. Like, like get back on track with your well-being. Because I think it's that that balance, right, of what do we need to get done? What are we committed to? And, and then sourcing ourselves to do it. So, yes, just do it for me and the move. And then, like, what do I actually need to do this? And for me, that's one, one decision at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, today the decision is about doing research (laughs) around what all the options are right and tomorrow maybe we pick one thing you know before trying to do it all at once Mm. you want to talk a little bit about uh you have a big project coming up don't you i do the the project that's coming up wow uh well well you probably have more than one yeah (laughs) like wait which one are we talking about (laughs) i feel like all my projects are big (laughs) Yeah, they Some are. Um, I think you're talking about the agency, right? The launch of yes. the agency. Yeah. So my intention is to do a soft launch of of this baby that I've been dreaming about for two or three years now that is basically going to redefine how support is done in executive spaces and team cultures. Mm-hmm. So uh, what that means is we're going to create a place that you come as you know, a potential CEO of a startup or an entrepreneur that's running a business, and you come and you spend one year with us and our team, and there's all kinds of practitioners on our team, from people like um, nutritionists to acupuncture to um, Reiki to herbalism. You know, there's there's the holistic wellness part, and then the other part is a strong team with dare to lead work. You know, through Brene Brown's work rebuilding cultures from the inside out. We're going to have a special POC team specifically to come in and work with uh, people that, that may not feel comfortable, you know, working with, with other ways of leadership styles. It will be specially built for them. So the idea is you, you come and you give us 25 of your employees or whatever the number is and give us one year and let's see what we can do with your company through massive support in different ways than you've probably looked at before. And um, see what we can create in terms of shifting, you know, the conversation that, that we're all in about the future and equality and inclusion and belonging and um, innovative ways of people working differently now in the world. Mm. Can't wait. Thanks. I'm excited. It's a big it's a big project. <laughs> no, kind of what you what you said, you painted a picture for me and it's it's like. You know, what's been coming up for me is, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you, it's like something you can, I'm asking, for, I'm going to ask for your help publicly here. Oh, is great. I would, I would like to meet some men that I could be having these kinds of conversations with as well. Hmm. Because my attitude has kind of got lately is with men. It's like, get on the bus or you're going to be passed by. Because uh, I know your relationships are vast and deep and you work yeah. with some really, really great people. So Talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of evolution and change with the men, at least, that you know and work with. 
Yeah, well, I feel like that's a two-part question, um, right? Because because we've got we've got men in general, and then we've got white men in particular, right? Uh-huh. Which, is, which is a whole nother conversation right now, as well. And and I think um, what do I want to say? I don't I don't have a lack of hope. I actually think there's a lot that we can do, and the the men that are willing to come to the table and and do this work. You know, I know a lot of great men that are coaches that want to be in the trenches with people and have these kinds of conversations. And I know a lot of white men who really want to learn and they want to understand and they want to grow and they want to be allies and they are terrified, but they, they're willing and they have um, a deep desire for this to go differently. And so those are the people I search and find at, like really look for, because I think those, those men can be developed to open up to a new style of leadership, which my personal belief is that it's a more feminine based leadership that yep. men can take on. Um, and they're, they're, they're aware of what's possible and they're aware that they need support. So mm-hmm. to me, that's a big shift because before um, you know, seven years ago, the men that I worked with were very different. They were not interested in being convinced of a different way. They were more interested in proving a point. They were more interested in status quo and, and ROI. Uh, and I think those men, there, there are still some of them out there, um, are, are just a little bit further behind in the conversation and they will catch up because they have to. Because at some point, this, this is going to go differently. And I really do feel like we are on the, the, the edge of a change of the tide. That doesn't mean I think the work's going to be done in my lifetime. I'm, I'm not naive in that regard. I do think that this is going to be a very long journey. Mm-hmm. But I have hope for our country because we're actually talking about it now and seeing it on video. This stuff was happening forever, right? We know that. Yeah. And, but the fact that we have video evidence now and we're being forced to reckon and reconcile and look at our privilege and look at what's happening in the world, particularly America is, is sort of like we've run out of time, you know, and, and a leash for our, for our BS. Mm. So I do, I do share a similar thought with you that, that people who are unwilling may indeed be left behind. And I don't, I don't really know what that means for them. You know, I, I like to think that the more kind we are, the more they'll come to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom shared something with me recently in the medical profession. I didn't know this. She used the example of somebody that, you know, is recently diagnosed with cancer, let's say, mm-hmm. that it usually takes seven touches of this conversation for it to actually sink in and be accepted and surrendered to. So what that means is like maybe you hear it the first time, but you want a second opinion. Then you want a third opinion and then you want different lab results or then you want to like look at all the diets that you can take on to change this. And all of that is the human reaction to needing about seven touches is what we call them before you're actually able to be with whatever's happening. I think that same thing is true in racial conversations and social justice conversations. So when I'm working with people, I try to remember okay, where are they on the line of those touches? For some people, it's touch number one, Mm. right? And for other people, it's touch number five or six. And so 
that helps me as, you know, a biracial woman keep my cool when I can sort of have that view knowing that it's just the start of the conversation for some people and that they might need a little more time than others. I think, you know, we're kind of where I'm at with that conversation. Yeah. Um, and, um, what really comes up for me is, is that kind of a beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. I don't want to assume I'm anything else, but at the first conversation, mm -hmm. just start all over in a sense, look at it differently and, um, spend some time in contemplation about it. It's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Ladies first. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, that's one of the reasons I hired you, John, and worked with you. You know, I think I, I if it's okay to share, yeah. um, you know, one of our first conversations, I came to you and I, I remember saying, I, I am a, a biracial woman that has some big things to say about what's going on in, in, in the world right now in regards to POC equality and inclusion. And how are you going to serve me when most of your team is white? And not that it was a judgment around them. I didn't know anything about them, right? And I was, but it was a it was a concern. And I knew that if I didn't voice it and say it, that there was a possibility that this wasn't going to work and we right. should work together, right? And I just want to, I really want to acknowledge you because your response was incredible in terms of a mindset one. And you said to me, you said, I know it's an issue and I'm really working on it. And I really want my team to change and diversify as well. And I've got really great people that I believe in. So you didn't throw your people under the bus either, right? No. And no. the most important part was, and I don't know. That's yeah. what you said. You said, I don't know how to have this conversation. And so to me, I think my response was something like, the fact that you're willing to have it means we're in a good spot. Because if mm -hmm. you, it, it was also a little bit of a test, right? From me, <laughs> like if you shut sure. it down or if you're like defensive or if you're, you know, like, well, there's, that's ridiculous. There's no room for those concerns here. That also would tell me what touch you're at. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was really brilliant. And I, and I really appreciated the openness. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you very much for saying that, yeah. you know, and I'm still at a place, my, uh, grandfather on my mother's side was uh, racist he had a, he, he raced greyhounds in portland oregon mm. and two or three years in a row he won the derby but the third year he won the derby actually uh, his dog and another dog were tied for first place and he had to share the winner's circle with the other dog's owner who was black mm. and he wouldn't go down to the circle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's more to that story. My mother and actually ended up standing in, which as I think about it now was perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, I think about that and I don't want to assume that I'm scot free of anything deeper in myself that I may not be aware of, you know? Right. Well, and the reality is none of us are right. Mm. All of us. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'll probably get a lot of flack for this, but I firmly believe everybody is racist. Everyone. It's a great place to start. Yeah. So if you just come from that place, then yeah. it's all about looking for your blind spots and what you don't know. Like you just said, mm. I, there's plenty I don't know. 
right? And and if I'm not open to that conversation, then I'm then I'm actually not practicing what I preach. Number one, but number two, there's no opportunity for connection or growth with people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm cutting out pieces of people that are very valuable and um, necessary for human connection. If I don't, you know, if I assume. <laughs> So how do you partner with people in this context? Well, I, I do it a lot of the ways that I that I just gave, like gave the example of us. You know, I I the the work that I've done in the world for me personally has been to have more of a voice in the conversation, to not be afraid of the conversation. A lot mm-hmm. of the work that I've done personally is looking at my own privilege and where um, things like code switching has been a privilege for me. I I, I am half Latin and I look very white. I am white passing, right? My skin is super light. So looking at that and the privilege that it holds and what I've gained from it and owning that, but also being willing to look at how can I be responsible for it now? Mm-hmm. So all of that was work I, I started getting curious about, well, really, really only like three years ago because my own blind spots were revealed, right? <clears throat> and when I did that, what I noticed is... um my only job in the world is to bring forward my thoughts about it and my voice and to cause the conversation. So that's actually what I'm committed to, right? Is that in any room I'm in or with anybody I'm speaking to, we're going to have the conversation. And that tells me all I need to know about partnership and where you are and if you're willing or not. And there are plenty of people out there that are not willing. I want to be really clear about that. And that's okay. That's their right. That's their all of us have the right to choose whether or not we're willing or or wanting to change and and it just becomes very clear where my work lies then right like i'm not i'm not wasting time where i could be making a difference with people that are right and you don't have an alternative agenda with people i noticed that yeah exactly yeah. so that's that's a little bit how i start in partnership with the conversation and and i think the other part of partnering and in, in Conversations about social justice and racial justice in particular are listening. I do way more listening than I do speaking and hearing and seeing and being with. And in coaching, we call this like, can you be with somebody and not have to fix them or save them or change them? Can you actually just be a witness and be with them? And um, I think that's, that's typically where I start. Well, there's a song that comes to mind. It's a Beatles song called Let It Be. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Let it be. Mm-hmm. Just let it be. Yeah. I actually work, uh, you know, I work with a couple, older couple, Sandy and Lon Golnick. Sandy's 78, Lon's 80, relationship by design. Um, they've done a lot of work in landmark form and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they come totally from that place mm-hmm. of just letting it be and in, in what a relationship is and how and you know to me relationship is everything when this whole pandemic started happening you know lawn brought it to my attention it's like social distancing that's not right physical distancing sure it brought to my attention this uh, phrase i i started using which was that connection and relationship is the vaccine against isolation yeah that's so good but it's still true today. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's always been true. Mm-hmm. 
to reach out and have the conversation. I've been really working hard on myself when I have a thought of somebody to actually just reach out then. That's great. So, I like could, that. Just, just never know. You never know what's going on with people. And I, I do think and I do believe that whether you want to call it God, the universe, the spirit, whatever you want to call it is constantly giving us something to work with to make the world a better place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, some people don't believe that. And I, I definitely am with you on the same page. I think that um, there is a much grander design and plan for all of us. And it goes into like, what's your life purpose? Why are you here? What's what do you want to give back to the world? What do you want to serve the world with? And, you know, there's I guess there's different stages in your life where you look at that. Like, I don't know if I would have said that at 20. Right? <laughs> at 20, it was all about what do I want? You know, and, and it still is what I, what do I want to some capacity, but with a little different lens on it. Yep. The lens is completely different. Yeah. So one thing I do want to talk about is leadership. Yeah. Okay. Look at that big smile on your face. So, yeah, just, you know, it's like I've asked you before, but uh, I'm going to ask again, what makes a good leader? Oh, man, I think what makes a good leader is somebody who can just be authentic and vulnerable. It sounds super simple, but mm -hmm. um, the willingness to be transparent and seen as human has people feel that connection that you were talking about a minute ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, one of the, the phrases in history that I love the most around leadership is, you know, leaders build other leaders. They don't build followers, right? Mm -hmm. A completely different style of leadership is you actually build other leaders who have their own voice and their own thoughts and their own opinions in the world. And the only way that I know how to do that from an access point at the beginning is to be seen in all your glory and all your mistakes and all your thoughts and to um, show up courageously in that. So uh, I love leadership. I could talk for hours about leaders. I think the, the world is missing a lot of authentic leadership right now. Mm -hmm. uh, some people would even call this, you know, the feminine divine leadership where mm -hmm. you're more connected to the earth or the universe or your soul. And you're, you're willing to let go of being right and instead be open to that thing. Again, meeting people where they're at, listening, hearing, being willing to, to allow feedback and change based on the feedback, not just like listen to it and do nothing about it, but, but actually try some things out and trust that other people might know better than you, you know? Yeah. And, and I think we've, we're really missing that right now. Um, there, there haven't been a lot of big influential leaders, at least in my lifetime. I mean, I know there's some that came before I was born, but I think we're, we're really craving that right now. Yeah. I'm going to quote you. You once yeah. said you, you could be right or you can be in relationship with them. <laughs> yes, that's my favorite. That's my favorite in my, my relationship with Aaron. Boy, do I have to practice that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's yeah. like you can dig your heels and be right or you can actually put that down and be with people. I you absolutely know? love it. It's totally in alignment with everything I, everything I chase, everything <laughs> I do. Yeah. And I do chase, I do chase it. You know, it's kind of what, uh, you know, you also, you also had talked before about, uh, soft front, hard back. 
Oh yeah, that's a Brene Brown thing. I love that that concept from her. She really um, she taught us that in our in our dare to lead work that we we do in the world, and it's this this concept that leaders um, are always going to have arrows coming at them. I mean, I think we know that in our politics in America, right? But it's like people are always going to have something to say about you, and there's always going to be somebody who who disagrees with you or doesn't like you. That's another big one I work with all my clients and my leaders is, you know, this, this incessant need to be liked outside of their, their values and their, their commitment, you know, to the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, we often talk about this, like, Hey, your, your back needs to be hard, like a shell or a, um, an actual suit of armor so that when those arrows come flying at you, they just hit the armor, right? They just fall right off. But you can't do that in the front because if you put that armor around your heart and you don't have a soft heart, then we're not getting that authentic vulnerability with uh, with that divine feminine energy, the mother earth energy, if you want to call it. And so that's the most courageous thing about being a leader is if you can do both because it's scary to not put that armor up around your front too, then you will actually develop other leaders and cause leadership in the world by being the example. The image I'm seeing for whatever reason is a turtle standing upright. Yeah. <laughs> Hard perfect. back, soft front. Yeah, they're little soft. So I'm going to have to go look up the medicine cards after this call and look up turtle medicine. Oh, I would love that. Let me know what you find. I will. I will. So, um, What do you think people really obviously just really need to hear right now? What do they need to hear? (laughs) I'll be bold. I'll practice being bold right now. Let's see. I think they need to hear that people of color are not asking you to um, change being white or pay tremendously for the sins of your past. They are simply asking to be heard and seen and considered from an equality standpoint. That's it. So I really think people need to hear that because there are so many people that are afraid that they're going to lose something or something is going to be taken away by us changing the way that this goes in this country. And I hope that you can hear that all that's wanted is acknowledgement and equality. That's really it. I think the second thing people need to hear is this country has gone through some really hard things. And I think we can reinvent who we are and not to be another world leader, by the way, (laughs) or to be back on top, but to actually be in community with the world as we've never been. So there's a huge opportunity if America is willing to reinvent how this goes to be that clearing for the entire world and be leaders, not dominant world power leaders, but leaders. <laughs> leaders who yeah. create other leaders. Yep. Yeah. It's almost a full circle right there. Yeah. And imagine a world that we would be living in if that was actually created. You know, I, that's, that's what we're shooting for. So the reason I say that is because I think people lose a lot of hope and it gets very, um, you know, it's, it's very easy when you can't eat or when you've lost your job or 
when um, you're sick to not fill that hope, that sense of hope. And I think as humans, that's one of our superpowers is to see the hope and the light and our possibility even when we're in those spots. So that's what I think the world needs to hear right now. And there's still a lot of fun out there. <laughs> so don't forget to have the fun and they can be in the smallest of small moments, right? Which is like, you know, a kiss from your dog on the nose to flowers you didn't think would bloom for whatever reason on your patio or <laughs> the simplest floating of a new song, music, gosh, music. You and I could have a whole podcast about music. Yep. Done, right. Yep. The healing modalities of music and what that can provide you. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's what people need, you need to hear and remember is that this doesn't have to be so hard either. Yeah, I think one way to really understand and walk in another man's moccasins, so to speak, or a woman's moccasins, which is, you know, coming, you know, living most of my adult life in Santa Fe, that was a big part of my life is just learning to walk in someone else's shoes, is the music. I mean, if you want to get to know other people in the music and you like Jamaican music, go listen to it and you can feel the culture in the music. Yeah, well, and we, Aaron and I, like, you know, we have so many conversations about about this and you know it's feel the music experience it and then give credit to where it came mm. from right because mm. that's another thing like where where are we diminishing cultures by not actually acknowledging again that's the word i'm going to use again over and over because that's really what's missing right you know i there's there's a big uh my mom i was home and she was telling me about a big i don't know up uproar about country music these days and how country is really starting to embrace some uh, hip hop and R&B flavors in, in the modern day country music. And, you know, some people love this, some people hate it. <laughs> some people yeah. are, are angry yeah. about it. And, you know, she said something to me that she said, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, music belongs to everybody. It shouldn't actually, you know, I don't understand this conversation about where did it come from? And I, and I had to really slow down and say, well, I, I get that. I do believe music is for everybody. And we're stepping over, again, the acknowledgement. Because that's all anybody's asking for, is to acknowledge where things were born. And, um, and there's, there's an honor in that and a reverence in that, which I think is part of reparations, right? And so um, even in something as simple as that, right, like the conversation can be really rich if you allow it to be versus, nope, I'm human and I get to sing whatever I want. And everybody can just deal with it, right? <laughs> See, I think a lot of it is like you said at the top of the conversation, a whole lot of it's just about listening. Whether it's music or another person or nature or listening in a different way to what's going on in the world through social media or anything else. And it's, uh, you know, listening. Mm -hmm. So you have a podcast. I do, <laughs> which is hilarious that I'm going to say the title now in light of listening, <laughs> but it's called in a manner of speaking. <laughs> so, so with I Elena Armio with me. So maybe, maybe I need to rethink that title. No, but, but it's, um, <laughs> with, I really yeah, love it, <laughs> in a manner of speaking with me. I like that. Yeah. 
Well, I, I really love how we chose the title and that we're launching it very soon. I'm very excited about this project. It's been as, as you know, uh, in the making for about six or seven months and we've been super intentional about what we're creating and why. Yeah. Um, but the thing that makes me so excited is the reason, one of the reasons we chose this title and the flavor of it was that it, it has that room to not be right and to listen, right, to other people's viewpoints in a manner of speaking is literally like, there are many ways to say the same thing, right? Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what we create by it. And it's really... Uh, we're going straight for elevating women's voices in the world. So it'll probably be yep. a lot of women with occasional man on it <laughs> yep. or, or any identifies women, I should say. Um, and I'm really, I'm really excited to see what people get from it. Yeah. Right now. So right now, actually, by the time somebody's listening to this, it, it yeah. will have been launched. I'm quite sure. So oh, people can go. get to oh. it. Yeah. People can get to it by going to elenaarmeopodcast.com. Well, there'll be other ways, of course, to get to it. But um, I got to tell you, it's you want to talk about eye opening growth experience, just being a being allowed to work with you and present all this. It's just been fantastic. And I just thank really you. appreciate you in a very big well, way. You all have been a dream team. So really, I, I could not have gotten here without you all. So thank you. So how was it meeting Rajan yesterday? Oh, I loved meeting Rajan. She said, you know what I, what I love about her? <laughs> Rajan, you're probably going to hear this. So um, she is, I don't even know how old she is. It doesn't matter how old she is. But I don't know either. Such, yeah, she's such, there's such an innocence about her um, and a freshness of her being in the world. And what I love is it's like I remember being in her spot ah. in that age group right like and i don't i'm making a huge assumption uh about her age but but i remember just starting out and being excited about a new career and being excited about what i have to contribute to the world which is very much who she is and also uh like that that young hunger that is going to grow like there's such a willingness mm. to grow in the world and be seen um, so it really, it really, it kind of made me nostalgic at, at one point I was like, man, I remember being that young. I did the old move where I was like, yeah, I'm old now, <laughs> but, but you I really think you're, oh, you're not old at all. Oh, uh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm old, but I, but I definitely remember it. Actually, what I'm trying to speak to is her innocence. Like I yes. remember that innocence and it, it gives me hope because if there's still that amount of innocence in the world, as she grows, she's going to find her way. And that's the, that's the exciting time of life is when you're really looking for your footing in the world and you're, you're trying to figure some things out and you're just open and willing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was my experience of her. <laughs> well, it's been really great working with her and I, I'm just really excited for all that. Yeah. So, anything else you want to cover? I, I have this feeling we could do this a lot. We could, we could do this many times, many hours. But I know time is in the, you know, time is precious for all of us, but, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you want to cover besides letting people know how to get in touch with you on the website, which is elenaarmijo.com? Elenaarmijo.com. Um, I, I think the last thing I'll say is one of the, one of my big, uh, stands in the world, you've heard many today, mm -hmm. um, is really, uh, access. So I believe in getting coaching to as many people as possible. So my policy is if you want to have a conversation about coaching and what it is in the world, come, 
And if it's not me, we'll find you somebody, we'll find you your perfect partner. But that at every price point, at every stage of your life, we can find you support. And so that's the thing I would say is just utilize that. The door is always open. And um, our commitment is that everybody gets served. That's really great. That's really great. Thank you so much for being here and doing this again. Thank you. Thanks for, for redoing it without my yeah, tech yeah. issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we figured it out. We always will figure it out. It's not much to figure out. You just, I actually, my approach is just bless it. Exactly. Bless and release. <laughs> yep. Bless and release. All right. Until next time, Elena. See you. All right. Take care.